Welcome back to Financial Matters with Richard Oring. I am John Jagay, joined again by Richard Oring from New Century Financial Group. Great to be back with you. It's good to be back, Jag. How are you been going through all this coronavirus quarantine and all that kind of fun stuff up in Detroit? Uh, so it's been five months since my wife started working from home. As you know, I work from home anyway, but we've been uh, five months of working from home together. She has not yet thrown me out, so I consider that a win. And we're getting along pretty well. It's us and the dog and uh, life is good. How are things in New Jersey? Well, I broke down finally about three weeks ago. I had to go back to the office. Okay, I see you're in the office now. Okay. We got staff here, but we all quarantine ourselves separate from each other the best we can. We're not really seeing clients in the office yet, but working at home, which is getting to me with three young kids, three dogs, and trying to do some work with clients on the phone, always apologizing. I had to get out. I understand that. We were dog sitting for a couple of days and just having two dogs and no kids. I was having trouble concentrating. So I can completely understand that. The only thing which is kind of weird is this whole situation kind of feels like the normal now. Oh, if I hear the cl- word new normal one more time, I'm going to scream. I feel like it's the cliche of 2020. Wow. So in this new normal, Rich... We're talking today about keeping more money in your pocket and giving less to Uncle Sam. That's a goal that everybody has. So where do you want to start with this topic? Okay, I'm going to assume most of our listeners are not experts in the Internal Revenue Code of taxes. (laughs) So why don't I go over some basic definitions, which everyone should know, you know, when they're doing their tax return or reviewing it. Um, But they don't know. I think it's going to help going over some of them. Mm -hmm. Let me just dig right in. The first one we always hear about is, adjusted gross income, or you might've heard it just called as an AGI. Right. It's basically your gross income, but they threw the term adjusted uh, above line deductions. You know, most people are familiar with itemized deductions, which I'll explain later. Um, But there's certain deductions which are above the line, which you don't have to be itemizing to receive. So it's your gross income minus your above line deductions. That's the tough stuff that right off the top, before we start doing all the math and all that, that you can deduct right away. Right. Like traditional IRA contributions, which are deductible as long as you don't have the phase outs. Teachers um, deduction for that $250, they could deduct for office uh, school supplies, items like that. There's a few of them, which are above line item, long-term care deductions. So after you get your AGI, we kind of already um, talked about above line deductions. So let's go right to the itemized deductions. Right. This is what everyone is really familiar with. Schedule A, you know, you look at your Schedule A, the first box is your medical deductions. Most people do not qualify to deduct their medical expenses because there's a percentage which is excluded based on your AGI. Then you go right down, you got your real estate tax and your state income tax. And as we all know, it's capped at $10,000 now. We have your mortgage interest and your charitable deductions. And there are probably a few more other itemized deductions I might be missing here or there, like insurance premiums and so forth. But for this show, I just want everyone to understand what an itemized deduction is. You're very familiar with if you own a home, you can probably do um, itemize. Yeah, so really it comes down to when you do your taxes, you're looking at whether you're taking itemized deductions or the standard deductions. So I know every year my wife and I look at it and we say, okay, if we itemized all of our deductions, where will we be? And then we compare that to what the general standard deduction would be. And we say, which is going to be the better path for us? Right. So the standard deduction is saying, hey, if I don't have enough itemized the government's going to give me a standard deduction. Right. And what's really nice is the standard deduction last year doubled. Mm -hmm. So it's helped a lot of people, especially retirees who 
don't have a mortgage anymore and they weren't able to itemize and they weren't getting any benefits from charitable donations or things like that. Yeah. At least they're able to take a standard deduction, which is double from the previous years, which was really a nice benefit. Got it. All right. So next on our list is taxable income. Okay. So let's take your AGI, your adjusted gross income minus your standard or itemized deduction. And if you qualify for anything else, like a qualified business income deduction, most people, that's not going to matter unless you own a business. Um, that would be your taxable income. That's where you look up on the schedule, how much taxable income based on your filing status, single, married, um, joint, and it'll give you a grid. And that's how you calculate how much of your income is taxed. So you take your adjusted gross income, take off the deductions, and that is your taxable income. That tells you what tax bracket you're in. Again, we're keeping this pretty simple. Yes. All right. This is credits. Credits are awesome. <laughs> credits are better than deductions. Okay. Credits is dollar for dollar lowering your tax liability. You know, give you an example is, you know, the lifetime learning credits, you have adoption credits. There's even credits for low income earners who are contributing to um, retirement plans. Mm -hmm. There's a credit for there. There's um, non-refundable credits, which get capped up to the amount of tax you owe. So if you owe $500 in tax, but you have a credit for a thousand, it's going to cap out at $500. And then there's credits, which are refundable, which actually your tax could be 500, your credit's a thousand, and you're going to get a $500 refund also, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. The last thing you need to understand on the tax return is total tax. That's what you owe. Right. You might have had some withholding from W-2s or 1099s, but at the end of the day, that's your total tax minus what you already paid. And that's going to tell you if you're going to get um, a refund or you're going to be writing a check to Uncle Sam. Got it. So those are the terms. AGI, above the line deductions, itemized and standard deductions, taxable income credits, and total tax. Now let's get to the meat of this, Rich, which is how do I pay less taxes? Jag, you don't want to go back and talk more about tax terminology? I mean, this is a lot of fun. I know, Rich, you have that accounting background, and that is your area of expertise. But I think for our listener's sake and, well, selfishly for my sake, let's move on to how we can save money and pay less in taxes. All right. I know you were excited about this part. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about W-2 deductions first. Mm -hmm. What we're trying to do is we're trying to lower our taxable income which is gonna be reported on the W-2. Yep. All right, so the first thing is participate in a company retirement plan. It could be a 401k. If you work for a hospital or school, it might be a 403b. Um, smaller companies might offer simple IRAs. You wanna participate in that. If you have a traditional 401k, the maximum contribution for 2020 is 19,500. Mm -hmm. If you're over 50, there's a catch-up of 6500 You can tack onto that. Simple IRAs and other plans might have different um, maximum contributions. You need to look those up or ask your um, employer sponsor who's sponsoring that plan. They'll be able to help you with that. You know, a lot of times I hear people go, Rich, why do I want to participate in my 401k? My employer doesn't match anything. Mm -hmm. Again, it's not that we're trying to get something from our employer right now. We're trying to lower our taxable income. Right. If you don't have a um, plan at work, you can always look to fund a traditional IRA. Mm -hmm. um, health savings accounts for those families who are pretty healthy and don't really go to the doctors that much. These are great medical plans, which allow you to fund a, an account. 
up to $3,500 for a single person and $7,000 for a family. Again, that's pre-tax. Yep. So let's just simple. Let's just say you're putting $19,500 in your 401k, $7,000 in your HSA. You already lowered your income, $26,500. Right. Then we roll right into the FSAs. Those flexible savings accounts, yep. Yep. The one downside is you defer pre-tax money. You don't use it, you lose it. Right. So people who have FSAs, know this rule and they're very cautious of that, but that's another 2,750 you can do pre-tax dollars. Mm -hmm. And if they let you participate in a dependent care FSA, that's another $2,500 for a single and in joint, another $5,000 in deduction. If you just add those benefits right there and you're able to afford to um, defer this money, you're reducing your taxable income Quite a bit. Absolutely. If you work in a city and you commute, a lot of employers have a commuter benefit program, uh, which you can have up to $270 a month deferred pre-tax to help with expenses like train parking and things like that. You just have to be aware of what the limits are for particular expenses like parking. The IRS is pretty um, tight on those right now. Well, and for those that are still actually going into the office. So that's another point right now. A lot of these things we're talking about deductions from your W-2, and that could be great for current tax planning. But tax planning to me is about the current year and the future years. Okay. So for your younger client, we have to be careful if I go ahead and put 19500 a year in a traditional IRA, because it might be better off to blend that with something like a Roth 401k, where it's after tax dollars, but it comes out tax-free. So what I've mentioned is ways to lower your taxable income for this year, but that doesn't mean that you want to just jump ahead and go do that. You really need to do some projections for this year and then the future years of what you think your income is going to be when you retire. I think that's a really good point. So for me, I'm, um, you know, I'll be turning 40 this year, so I've still got a little ways to go before I'm going to retire. So I have actually aggressively started putting money into a Roth so that, um, yes, it's after taxes right now, but it's going to be tax-free for growth and it's going to be tax-free for when I pull it out when I'm retired. So I've actually started aggressively putting stuff into a Roth right now. And it's also great because you're not required to take it out when you're, well, now with the rule is 72, you have to take money out of- Yeah, those RMDs. Yeah, the RMDs. You, you don't have to take the Roth money out, which is great because you can do better tax planning when you're retired to figuring out which um, buckets of money to take out. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So let's keep going because not everyone has a W-2. People are self-employed. There's other benefits, you know, retirement plans they could take advantage of, which allows them to put a lot more money than 19,500. Let's talk about people- who are retired or can eliminate tax liabilities through their investments. Okay. So the first thing you want to do, if you can, is minimize short-term gains with your taxable investments. Mm -hmm. So short-term gains is taxed as ordinary income. Right. That's the same tax rate as your W-2. Long-term gains have a preferred tax rate. For this conversation, we're just going to say 15% tax bracket. If you're a high earned income, taxpayer, it can go up to 20%. For this conversation, we'll just stick to 15. Okay. So you got to be careful. If you have mutual funds, mutual funds sometimes have what we call embedded gains. So let's use an example. Um, this mutual fund has been in business for 10 years. And let's just say in January, they bought ABC stock, fictitious stock. 
and they bought it for $10. And three months later, they sell it for a big profit. And then you buy that mutual fund a few months later. And then at the end of the year, when they do their tax reporting to you, you get this short-term gain, which you never participated in. Hmm. You never got that gain, but by requirement, they have to pass like 90% of all their gains from their portfolio to their shareholders. So you're picking up a tax liability as ordinary income and never got the benefit of that gain within that mutual fund. Okay. So on taxable accounts with mutual funds, you want to be careful on what you're investing in. Just try not to get into that trap of embedded gains within the portfolio. Got it. Okay. Which leads into it. Like for my clients, when we talk about taxable accounts, we talk about the tax sensitivity. Mm -hmm. You know, I do tax projections for clients. So if I want to make sure I'm not putting them in a situation with short-term gains, I don't want to put them into a situation where they're going to lose out on phase-outs of deductions, like for um, passive income from rental properties. I don't want their Social Security to be more taxed. I'm sensitive to the tax brackets because some of the um, gains, if they're in a low tax bracket, technically could be 0% on long-term gains, Hmm. also on their qualified dividends. I don't want to lose that opportunity if I could take advantage of it. So you got to be very careful. You got to look about the tax management on your taxable accounts. Okay. The other thing I personally look for on investments for these taxable accounts are managers who have low turnover. So that's a new terminology, turnover. Okay. Turnover is how often the manager, mutual fund manager, um, separately managed account manager is buying and selling within the portfolio. Mm Mm-hmm. If you have a lot of turnover, you have a great opportunity to have more gains reported to you. Got it. You know, I mentioned taking 0% um, long-term gains, and that's important because you could do some planning for the future. If I'm able to take some long-term gains and then step up, up a new cost basis, when I need to sell that asset, the gains hopefully will be, well, hopefully it's going to be a lot, but normally it'll be less than what you originally sold with the 0% tax liability. So being able to do some tax planning, you know, everyone says, oh, at the end of the year, let's sell our losses. Well, there is a strategy about selling your gains tax efficiently. Okay. Um, The other big thing is, you know, I have a client every year, we look at their taxable income, we estimate it, and we're worried about how much of the Medicare premium is going to be taxed on social security. Yes. So every year it's really close and we have to do some tax planning. And I said to him, so you have this mutual fund, which keeps paying dividends and the dividends are being reinvested and we're keep creating a bigger tax liability just on this one investment. So to keep you under that threshold before your Medicare premiums are going to go up, it's getting harder each year. So we talked about shifting some of that mutual fund into a growth mutual fund, which isn't paying dividends. And we stopped paying the what we kept in dividends. And we kept it in cash. So he could take that as a distribution tax-free and take less from an IRA for his cash flow needs. So there's a lot to all this stuff, Rich. And sometimes it can be it, it can be a little bit easy to get lost in this. So we're going to give your contact information at the end of the show, people who want to talk to you about their individual situation. But I think what's amazing is you can have the same amount of money as somebody else. You can take the same amount out, 
but different amounts of money would go to you versus Uncle Sam with the person who's in the same situation as you because you planned differently, right? Correct. I use that as an example. You know, I really encourage people to build different buckets of money, Mm -hmm. tax-free money, retirement accounts, and investment accounts. The tax-free would have been the Roth category we're talking about. Yeah. You know, I say everyone could save the same amount of money, like you said, and at the end of the day, you take the money out from the different buckets and that will calculate to how much is going to you and how much is going to Uncle Sam. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. And most financial advisors out there or investment advisors aren't doing this planning right now. And more so, you see a lot of clients, they come to me and they retire and like 95% of all their assets are in their 401k, which means that every single dollar I take out from them is going to be taxable income. Yeah. There are a lot of different ways to plan the distributions for your retirement income needs. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give you one, but it doesn't mean that everyone should be taking this advice and, and doing it for themselves. Sure. Okay. So make it simple. The client needs XYZ amount of money. First thing I'm looking at is things I can't control. Pensions. They're taking their pension. Yeah. They're taking their social security. Mm-hmm. So these are the guaranteed income streams coming into that household. I already know. Then I would look, going to look at their qualified assets, their retirement accounts, their non-qualified accounts. Those are your taxable investment accounts and your tax-free accounts. Before I figure out which accounts I'm taking it from, I'm looking at what tax bracket they're going to be in just with their pension and social security. Mm-hmm. And if they're in a low tax bracket, maybe I would sell the investment account, the non-qualified with long-term gains if it's at 0%. Okay. Because maybe I'm going to be able to keep some of that social security not to be taxed. My goal is to keep the overall tax rate low because it affects other things. Like the more you make, the more of your social security is going to be taxed. Got it. Yeah. Um, those who are retired know that. <laughs> You know, if I need a little bit more money from the non-qualified, maybe I'd take it from the Roth. Or maybe I'm in a 12% tax bracket without taking any money out. And I could take out another 10000 from the retirement account, the, the IRA, mm-hmm. and still be in a 12% tax bracket. That's called maxing out a bracket. Okay. Makes sense. So if you're in a low bracket, how much more can you take out at that 12% before bumping yourself up? So that's how I'm looking at um, where to take the distributions out for clients who are retired. I'm seeing where I can keep the tax the lowest and without causing more of their other income like Social Security to be taxed, taking consideration phase outs and things like that Mm -hmm. and Medicare. The other thing is on a low tax bracket, you know, your 12% tax bracket, your qualified dividends might be at 0%. Okay. So that's big also. The other thing I'm looking at is, you know, we mentioned that the standard deduction is doubled. You know, there is conversation that Biden gets elected that he wants to revert the tax code back from what Trump did. But I'm not planning what might happen. I'm going to plan what we know today for this tax year. Of course. So we mentioned this before, qualified charitable distribution. If you're semi and a half and you're already making charitable donations and you're not getting any tax benefit, because you're not itemized, there's a strategy called a Qualified Charitable Distribution or QCD, which allows you to make a donation directly from your IRA to the qualified charity. Okay. 
this helps you satisfy your RMD, your requirement distribution, mm-hmm. but you don't have to pick up the income. Interesting. That's a nice little strategy that can be employed for people in that situation. I hear people going, well, why would I make a donation if I get no tax benefit? And when I used to do tax returns, it's amazing. Like there was a lot of people who are very charitable giving. I'm going to say uh, um, most of the people I interact with on a daily basis aren't doing the donations always because of the tax benefits. They're doing it because they have a interest in the organization they're making the charities to. Sure. They've got an emotional connection to whether it's an animal thing or something for kids or you name it. Churches, synagogues, mosques, anything. Mm-hmm. Yep. And again, then we've talked about this in previous episodes, Rich, and it really is to sum up everything we've talked about today. There are so many different strategies and so many rules and so many regulations. If you're not an expert in this stuff, it's really going to make your head spin. But if you employ all the right strategies, and as you said, not every strategy is appropriate for everybody. But if you employ the right strategies for your individual situation, you can really max out what's going into your pocket and minimize what's going to Uncle Sam, which really is the goal, especially now as so many people are struggling with everything that's been going on in 2020. Yeah, Jack, this is not simple stuff. It's not stuff you want to go to Barnes & Noble and pick a book up and learn how to do tax planning. Tax planning for dummies, maybe? Yeah, this is something you want to hire a professional to do for you. You know, if you have your tax return prepared, you know, some accountants will charge you for tax planning. You know, again, we talked about this in the before. I think it was like the first or second episode we ever did. We said managing expectations. And if you remember, I said, you know, you hire your accountant to do your tax return. You owe money. And next year you owe money. You're like, well, why didn't I get any tax planning from my accountant? Yeah. Well, you didn't hire him to do the tax planning. Right. You hired him to prepare your tax return. Mm-hmm. So it's managing that expectation. In our industry, there are a lot of people who manage money, but does not offer tax planning or financial planning, or insurance planning. You know, that's a specialty. That's a someone who does financial planning. Right. We're very good at that in our firm. We're very good at the tax projections. We work closely with our clients' accountants. We work up tax projections for our clients and we give it to them to review with their accountant, like kind of like the blessing. So, Rich, it's, you know, the analogy is whether or not we have football this year remains to be seen. But How about baseball now. Yeah, it's true. Baseball yep. might go away. How about my season tickets for the Flyers? It's July 29th. Who knows what's going to happen by the time you listen to this podcast, because it seems to be changing by the hours. But to keep with the sports analogy, you're the quarterback of the team when it comes to your finances. So you want to have people on your team that you are employing for their different skill sets. So you've got somebody like Rich that can help you on the planning side, and then you've got maybe a CPA that's going to work with you on the tax side. And all these people can work together. It really is a team effort. And if you have the right team in place, it will make a world of difference in both your stress level, your sanity level, but also in your bank account too. Absolutely. I like your analogy with the quarterback, but I would say that the client's the general manager. I'm the coach. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Mr. Belichick. And then we have a whole bunch of players out there working for us. That works too. But the idea is obviously you have to put together a good team and it's everybody working together. And Jag, I'm sorry to cut you off, but it's interesting. Like, So when I had a tax practice... There's always surveys out there and say the most trusted professional is your accountant. Mm-hmm. And when I started doing the financial planning side of it, I see a lot of what accountants aren't doing. Right. Which they're automatically getting that trust 
And it goes back to that expectation we talked about. Mm-hmm. You, know, you hire them to do one thing and they're not doing something, but you didn't hire them to do it. I'm really beginning the person who's a holistic financial planner, who's looking at your overall household, meaning your insurance, your investments, your taxes, you know, everything should be your mostly trusted advisor you hire. Yeah, absolutely. And this is why if you need help with your finances, this is why it's so important to talk to somebody like Rich. I know you're meeting your clients virtually at this point, right? I am over Zoom. I I think we have a couple a day, which has been great. And, you know, clients are actually beginning to like it. They've been asking me when this is all over, can we continue? I'm like, absolutely. I've been doing this for years. You don't have to get in the car and drive over. You can do it from the comfort of your own home. It's not just that. The spouses now can participate too. Right. And I even have clients where they're getting their kids involved. I love it. Like they're adult kids. It's great. Have the whole family be aware of what's going on for sure. Yeah. So if somebody wants to set up something with you, Rich, and talk to you, what are the best ways to reach you? Well, you can always call me at 609-924-2049. My direct extension is 126. Um, You can always email me at r-o-r-i-n-g at ncfg.com. Or you can go to my website at www.ncfg.com. That's Nancy Charlie Frank George.com. And on there, there's a way to schedule an appointment with me over the phone, Zoom for now. Feel free to um, schedule something, free consultation on the first meeting. Um, so pick my brain. The other thing I'm going to ask everyone to do is if you're enjoying these podcasts, do one or two things for me share it with your family and friends. Mm-hmm. And if you can go onto iTunes and rate it or put a review, I'd greatly appreciate it. Richard Oring from New Century Financial Group. Really important and relevant information today. Thanks as always. Stay healthy, stay safe. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Jay. Richard Oring's branch office is One Airport Place, Princeton, New Jersey, 08540. The branch phone number is 609-924-2049. Securities offered through Royal Alliance Associates, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services offered through New Century Financial Group, LLC, a registered investment advisor not affiliated with Royal Alliance Associates, Inc. New Century Financial Group, LLC, and Royal Alliance Associates, Inc. does not offer tax advice or tax services. Please consult your tax specialist for individual advice. We make no specific comments or recommendations on any tax-related details.